The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Officially Unofficial, presented by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American, Johnny Junta. And we're here with a special guest. She's the national baseball writer for the Washington Post. And more importantly, she's my friend, Chelsea Janes. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Obviously, as you can see in the shirt and the jersey, I'm doing great. I mean, I'm on legitimately cloud nine. This is the happiest I think I've ever been in my life. And I said this to, I think I've said this to all the people. This is happier than I'll ever be, like the birth of my child, future child, um, my wedding. This is the happiest I'll ever be in my life. The Toronto Blue Jays are a wagon. I'm going to try to keep it as unbiased as possible. The, the, maybe the best team in baseball. So let's get your thought process on the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the Blue Jays were due for a run like this. You know, when you kind of look at that roster, it sort of felt like if they weren't underachieving, they weren't optimizing their potential all year, as you probably felt um you know they were in it but when you're in a division with those teams you know it's it's kind of hard to separate yourself so I feel like they've been due for this and it's sort of happening at a time when the Red Sox have COVID the Yankees are you know yankeeing and doubting themselves and you know doing all those things so I think it's sort of a perfect time for them to make this run and it, it feels like you know neither the Red Sox or Yankees are in any state to sort of lift themselves up and stop them but who knows you know it's 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 all chaos all the time and i will say this like i said i'm completely unbiased the yankees are absolutely an embarrassment i like and i say that respectfully i was on a yankees podcast with our network bronx pinstripes on thursday and i or friday i honestly couldn't believe how like watching that j series and you obviously saw the stat it's the first time they've ever trailed an entire series didn't have a lead one since like 1926 or 04 or something like that this team is like even watching them completely unbiased. They're terrible. So, I mean, what are your thought process? Like, what's your thought process on the Yankees? Because that bullpen is very bad. The starting pitcher, the starting pitching has not been that good, and that offense just can't hit lately. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I mean, they're a team that you watched early on and saw lose all these incredibly heartbreaking games to the point that Aaron Boone was like, "Yeah, we've had worse for almost every loss." And you think maybe that hardens a team or sort of prepares them for later in the season when things go wrong, that they're able to turn it around. And yet they have seemingly not gained anything from, from those losses. It seems like they just kind of can't get out of their own way. And, you know, I think, I think part of it might be honestly, and I've tried to think about this myself is how much, 
just sort of the natural Yankee hype, natural Met hype, make us think these teams might be a little bit better than they they actually are. But even you know, looking at the names, they they should certainly be better than this. And so I don't know. I th- you know I think it it feels really bad. I guess there's still time for them to kind of catch fire and make a run, but just feels like they've been in their heads all year. Like they can't enjoy anything they're doing because you know either they win or. Uh, their disappointment, and I think it's like this group is just not handling that pressure well. It's just, it, it def- if you look at it, I mean, and the fan base is just absolutely terrible. I mean, you have <laughs> fans like legit booing Joey Gallo, a guy who just got there. Giancarlo Stanton gets booed more than opposing teams. Aaron Judge, the only guy in my opinion that like really doesn't get booed, and then you have Chapman coming out of the bullpen. I remember in the J series, I think Vladdy hit an oppo nuke off him, and. As, as Chapman's going to the dugout, he's legit getting booed. You can't even hear yourself think. He's getting booed to, to an, like, so loud. It's just that fan base. I, I don't expect, I don't understand why players actually want to go there. It's kind of crazy to me. There's not really any fan bases kind of like that where you get booed cr- by your own fans a substantial amount. It feels like it's kind of coming to a head between the Javi Baez booing the Mets fans and sort of the Yan- the way the Yankees have played this year. I don't think, you know, obviously people have dealt with it for years. You know, I don't know. I don't, you know, I would never go to a game and boo. I don't really, you know, I think Yankees and Mets fans are obviously extremely passionate, but something about the dynamic in those two places is making it really hard right now for those teams to succeed. And I think, you know, the the Yankees are a perfect example. It's just the pressure. It just feels like that team is just, their heads are exploding all the time. And, you know, Glaber Torres used to look like he had fun playing baseball in the last year and a half. I mean, he's, He's looked like on the verge of tears and Gary Sanchez is either the greatest player in baseball one day and, and the worst that, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. So, you know, I certainly, you don't want to like look at the fans and say, this is why this is happening. And I, and I would never do that, but I do think um, whatever the dynamic there is right now is proving really, really tough for this group to handle. And, you know, they're, they don't seem ready to kind of pull themselves out of it. The thing that's also insane to me is like a guy like Aaron Boone, who was a playoff hero in New York, a guy that was beloved by legit every single fan before he was a manager. The fan base wants his head now. It's like the fan base has turned on a substantial amount. Like no one likes him there. Everyone wants him gone. Like who, who would he would like, who would replace him? Like we're talking about on my Yankees podcast, Bronx pinstripes on Thursday or Friday, whatever it dropped. It's like, who are you going to place Aaron Boone with? Like, there's not really any managers out there that I know of. Right. I, you know, I don't know who you can put in that position and feel like they can withstand what Aaron Boone has dealt with. Right. Like Aaron Boone was booed when he first got traded to the Yankees. He was awful after the trade deadline deal that sent him there. And then he came up with that home run and now he's beloved, but like, if he had stayed around and had another bad year, the booze would have come. It's like the loyalty is it's, it's strong, but you know, I think we've heard a lot more players lately talk about that pressure. And I mean, Aaron Boone looks like, you know, the Barack Obama transformation from the beginning of his tenure to the end where he's got gray (laughs) hair all of a sudden, like Aaron Boone has seen some stuff, you know, and like, it's, uh, it's fascinating, but you know, if he can't help them navigate it again, I don't know who looks at that. I think a lot of people look at that job and say, that's a desirable job, but right now it's it's a pressure cooker in a way that is like i don't it doesn't seem like anybody in that organization is able to to withstand and one thing that really pissed me off yesterday and like i said i'm an avid charlie montoyo hater i think some of the shit that he does is absolutely bananas was when robbie ray his cy young front runners on the bump and i don't remember the orioles manager name not really worth remembering because <laughs> the team's poverty the he's chirping robbie ray 
And Charlie Montoyo is in the dugout, might as well have been playing his drums that he plays in the dugout. I mean, I don't know what this guy's doing. And I miss, and I always say this, I miss John Givens because if John Givens is in that dugout, that Orioles manager is getting put in a pretzel. But Charlie Montoyo just lets the manager talk shit to his pitcher. I mean, what was your kind of, what like what did you see from that scenario? Because that was crazy. I don't think I've ever seen that. Just openly talk shit to a pitcher. That was so weird. And the the Robbie Ray saying he thought the Orioles had their pitches because yeah. they were laying off sliders, like maybe, but if they did, you think maybe they wouldn't be so bad. You know, I know that's kind of like an oversimplification, but like who's accusing the Orioles of cheating? Yeah, you true, know, that's yeah. just like a strange thing. But at the same time, you know, Brandon Hyde can't mouth off back. You know, there's so many managers where if that happened, you know, I, I don't know. Some fan bases probably love it, but in that exact situation where no one's in the stands and you can hear every word, it just kind of seemed petty and weird. Um, yeah, that, that whole thing was very, very odd. And I was stunned that there was sort of no Blue Jays repercussions from it's that. Like, you know, I know a lot of, yeah. It's crazy because, like, for instance, you you want to play for a guy that has your back. Like, you want to play for a guy like John Gibbons who openly fought players, his own players in the dugout. Like, he fought Josh Donaldson. He fought Ted Lilly back in the day. What a throwback of a name that is. But it's just you want to play for a guy and then, if I'm Robbie Ray and I'm looking in the dugout and this manager's openly talking shit to me and none of my guys are standing up for me, it's like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? It's crazy. I know. I, I wondered if they like, kind of thought they were above him. They're like, what is this guy doing? You know, like his team is terrible. And you yeah. know, that, I don't know why he's doing it. But, but at the same time, like that's never stopped anybody before. It was, it was just very weird. I wonder if everyone was just like, what is happening? Like, what is going on? You know, because it was that stunning. When I saw it on Twitter, I was like, oh my God, what is going on? This is just absurd. Yeah. So. I don't know, but it was weird. It, it was weird, and it, like, made Jay's, Jay's Orioles way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. I mean, the, the last two games, we're recording this on Sunday morning. The last two games, like, the two games yesterday were the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. Yep. I mean, the Jays scored 11. They were getting no hit. For, like, they were getting no hit by the Orioles in the seventh, and then they scored 11 runs on 12 or 13 hits. I mean, that shit is, like, that's why – and obviously – I'm very, I'm a homer, but I, that's why I genuinely do think this team is going to maybe go on a little run here. I don't know. Like they're known to break my heart, but I seriously, like even watching those games yesterday, I was at that athletics game when they scored six in the eighth and then they, the Simeon three run nuke. So I'm just maybe recency biased, but I think this team's an absolute wagon, but we'll just switch. We'll switch it here. But I wanted to give you a little credit because you had one of the greatest humble brags of all time on Twitter the other day, Max Scherzer, when he got traded to the Dodgers, you kind of, I, I respect the humble brag. Max Scherzer, you said he noticed you and he's like, I thought I got a, I got away from you in Washington. <laughs> Just an incredible humble brag that Max Scherzer knows who you are. I love it. Talk about that interaction for a second. What happened there? Yeah, I mean, I so I covered him from the time he got to D.C. until, you know, now. So so we kind of have spent many hours in the same clubhouse. Um, but no, that it was certainly, it was, uh, it was an honor to be like, wanted to get gotten rid of. Um, but he's, he's one of those guys that kind of like likes to know who the reporters are and, and he'll engage and, and kind of make you go back and forth with him. So it, it wasn't surprising. I, you know, in that bait, actually the other day I was, you know, I'm in LA and he's going to pitch this afternoon and he's six strikeouts away from 3000. And, um, you know, I was bringing up to him on the field that he had not gotten a hit yet this year. So I think that's sort of the, the relationship that um, I have been fortunate enough to kind of have with him to have a little bit of a back and forth, which is like crazy to me, you know, but that's true. But uh, 
yeah, he's a funny guy. He likes when the reporters kind of give it to him and he's willing to give it back and it's, it's fun. Do you kind of look back on it? And I do this all the time, like with people that I've had on this podcast, like, do you look back and be like, I can't believe that Max Scherzer knows who I am. Like a literal first ballot hall of famer. Like it's insane. hundred percent. I, I was just thinking that yesterday. Um, and I'm not going to say like Max Scherzer is someone I talk to all the time. You know, it's like, yeah. I don't want to overblow it, but in a professional setting, you know, he knows my name and that is it's like an honor, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy that I'm going to go watch somebody I've literally spoken to many, many times, go try to get their 3000 strikeout today. It's, 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 it's mind blowing. And like 90% of the time it, it doesn't hit you. But then I think when he got traded from the nationals and you kind of seen the rest of the world realize right now, how good he's been and, and all this, it's like, wow, that's, that's something else. And maybe talk me out of this. Cause I might be biased. Cause I bet the dog, I bet on the Dodgers two days ago, they lost to the St. Louis Cardinals, which is mind boggling to me that they lost to that team. Am I wrong for saying that I'm still kind of hesitant on the Dodgers? And in my opinion, the front runner for the national league is either the giants or the brewers, man. Cause that brewers team is special. Like obviously they threw a no hitter yesterday. And I love that line. I love that pitching rotation. They have Corbin Burns, just Woodruff, just a freak rotation. So in my opinion, I could be wrong on this, but I genuinely do think that the Brewers and the Giants are the front runners for the National League over the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, I think the Giants like have to be. I I keep like looking at them and thinking like, when does this end? And it hasn't ended and we're mid-September and they're out of the Dodgers. So like purely on paper, you have to look at them and be like, this isn't a team that hasn't played the Dodgers. Like they played them really well. Um, and if you look at, you know, a series in the playoffs or something, it's, there's no reason to believe that that wouldn't be a close series. The Giants can win. And you know what? The Dodgers haven't hit that well recently, you know, for all the names in that lineup, you know, Trey Turner has been pretty steady since he got there and, and stuff like that, but there's been a lot of up and down and, and you put them in a, in a short series against the Brewers or even a longer series, you know, it's, it's not probably going to be a high scoring, you know, kind of thing. So I don't see the Dodgers as, as, as invincible as I you know thought they might be at this time of year. Uh, but then again, if you get Kershaw back and are running out, you know, Scherzer, Bueller, Kershaw, it's, it's hard to bet against. And obviously gambling has taken over, especially in baseball and all that kind of stuff. And I got into it with like a, a baseball Twitter account. I won't name them. I'd have to bleep it out because it's a bad name on this podcast. But they said that gambling's bad for the game of baseball. And I roasted them. I genuinely, and maybe you can, you can, maybe you can help me on this. I think gambling is great for the game of baseball. You see the effect it has on the NFL. I think gambling could be huge for bringing more eyes to the game of baseball, sweating these baseball games. Just baseball should adapt to gambling instead of push it away. Like, what do you think about that? I think, yeah, I mean, I think they're doing it. Like you're seeing kind of the, the betting stations appear at parks around the country. And there are a lot of people that I, I think that makes really uncomfortable. And I am not one of them. I think I, I get why people are uncomfortable with it, but I also think, you know, it's something that sport has to kind of decide where it stands on because like they've kicked, you know, players obviously out of baseball and, you know, Pete Rose for gambling on the game. And, and you look at that and you say, okay, that's, that's fine. Maybe we don't want to have gambling in close proximity to the sport, but first of all, there's, there's no current indication that that would become a problem. You know, if, if you have people betting more on the sport um, maybe it would, but if, there are much bigger problems that this sport has right now than, than that. And, you know, I think, it brings a different kind of fan to the game. That's, that's what they want to do. They want to expand in that way. Yeah. I don't think it should be sort of a, a huge priority for them, but I don't, I think, like you say, they're not pushing it away. I think they understand there's a lot of money to be had and it doesn't bother me. I think it bothers like a subgroup of baseball fans who want everything to be pure all the time, yeah. but that's sort of not the reality of the game. Um, 
And as long as you don't see indications that players are sort of getting somehow touched by that, I, I don't see why you have to worry about it. It's like, it's, but it's mind boggling to me. These fools on Twitter, like in NFL, for, for instance, it's the biggest sport in, in the in North America. It's the most watched sport of all time. You can make the argument. And I made this argument and the guy and the account said to me, that's not true. The reason why the NFL is so big is because like ga- the gambling plays such a massive factor in why the, 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 the sport is so big. Like, you have so many people gambling on NFL Sunday. It's absolutely bananas. People that don't even watch the sport will gamble on it. And obviously, baseball has way more games, but it's not going to hurt the game of baseball to have, like, to take in, like, gambling and have more people gambling on it and watching it, bringing more viewership to it. You know, like, I, I don't understand it. I, yeah. You know, I think of it, and this might not be fair, but, you know, if you're worried about it from the perspective of, like, this is something that people, could fall into addiction with this is something that people struggle with I get that and you don't want to facilitate that because there are people who have trouble kind of controlling their gambling right but there are also people who have trouble controlling their drinking and we let them drive to the games and buy beer and we say to them drive responsibly you sort of urge everything you can in PSAs between innings and that's what they're doing with with gambling too and so for me I think it's hard to sort of draw that line um but I do think that it you know it's I, I kind of, I see why people squirm, but then I think if you really think about it, it's like, you know, until we have evidence that there are players sitting on their phones between innings, you know, betting on <laughs> outcomes, which we certainly do not, you know, if anything, they're checking their fantasy football teams. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I don't think there's necessarily any reason to, to worry about it, but yeah, I don't know how you kind of separate that from some of the things they already do. Yeah. It's like then, then ban drinking, then ban alcohol at the stadium. Right. Then if you don't want that either, cause right. that's a vice that's substantially like very bad for you as well. So it just, you, you got to pick one at the end of the day, but I, I wanted to discuss, and I'm not one to pat my back yet for people listening. They know <laughs> I am. I said you really in the year, Jonathan India rookie of the year. I, I'm not one to pat my back, but credit to me. Maybe I was biased cause he's a friend of the show, but I mean, this guy's insane. I mean, he hit his 20th home run yesterday or two days ago. He's the front runner. Trevor, I don't think Rodgers stands really a chance with what India is doing in Cincinnati, especially them being a playoff team or in the race for a playoff team. Just let's talk about Jonathan India. I mean, this guy's this guy. He's a freak. Yeah, I, it's hard to think of who I'm. I'm lucky that the Post does not let us vote on this stuff because I would be just like torn up about it. But I, you know, it's hard to justify a pitcher over what he's been able to do especially on a team that like really whatever anyone says was not supposed to be as good as they've been. And like that lineup has just been sort of surprising from from start to finish in large part because of what he's been able to do. So like, I think, you know, he's become a crucial part of that team to the point that you almost forget he's a rookie. And I, I think that that makes him sort of the natural choice. I'm like racking my brain for somebody I'm not thinking of. The guy on the Cubs, right? That, that, that like, yeah. yeah. Wisdom or whatever, wise them, whatever. He's, I guess he's second guy. Yeah, but I, I mean, even then, it's it's it doesn't feel like you know you look at the impact he's had on that. I don't know. It, to me, India makes the most sense. But I mean, again, I don't have to vote. But I, <laughs> yeah, he's had an amazing season. That team is just kind of finding a way to hang in there. I would not have bet on it at the beginning of the season. Uh, and I, you know, I it's hard to imagine them outlasting the Padres, but like maybe they do because that lineup is is a lot scarier than I think people realize. I looked at the strength. I mean, they're doing this right now without Winker in the lineup too. I mean, it's Winker's obviously injured, but the Padres, like, I don't know what's going on with that team. I guess they're in a really good, they're in a really good division, but even the fact, I mean, you should be in second place in the wild card with ease. That lineup is insane. The pitching rotation is insane. Besides you, Darvish, and it's a sticky stuff ban, but 
I mean, the, the Padres have no business not making the playoffs. That will be one of the biggest failures in recent memory for me, obviously. Like, with the amount of moves they made, the amount of money they've dumped into that team, if they don't make the playoffs and the Reds do with a substantially less payroll, that is embarrassing. I can't even believe it, to be honest. I still can't believe it. It's weird. Like, I think, you know, part of it is they went from pitching really well prior to June to pitching just okay, you know, and whether that's sticky stuff, whether it's whatever it is, like, you know, I think that in that division, you can't afford to be mediocre, you know, anywhere. And it's also interesting because they're here in LA and I've gotten to spend some time around them the last few days. They just, there's just some clout missing sort of like it, it just feels like when you see them next to the Dodgers, for example, there's sort of a swagger there in the Dodgers that, you know, they know what they have to do. They go take BP, they go take their infield. There's not a lot of kind of sitting around and, and, you know, I don't know, there's just sort of a purpose to everything. And I feel like the Padres are searching and you can kind of see it in everything they do. You know, I think Tatis moving back to shortstop might help a little bit um, because he is sort of the heart of that team. And he clearly has a lot more fun at shortstop than he did in the outfield. Stuff like that matters. But for example, today, you know, you, you look at Blake Snell is going to pitch against Max Scherzer and like, who do you take in that game? You know, if that's your best pitcher right now, Blake Snell's been great lately, but like, do you take him against the Dodgers? And if you don't, then what does that say about your chances in a short series? You know, it's just, it, it just seems like they don't have enough pitching and they just like needed one more move at the deadline and the Dodgers made that move. And so I don't know, it, it is, it is pretty stunning. I still feel like they may have enough time to, you know, secure that wild card spot with a little room to breathe but they're gonna have to figure some stuff out and it's they're not doing it yeah no that's true i mean there's a couple other teams to me that i'm like legitimately scared of and i tweeted the other day like i'm not remotely scared of the yankees i'm not remotely scared of the red Sox. i'm scared of the seattle mariners i don't like it's a weird team to be scared of but that team is so like it's just a blue collared grinding team you don't really hear about them that much because they play in seattle and which is three hours ahead of us here but that team is scary to me. I, I would rather face the Yankees or the Red Sox in that wild card game than, I mean, than the Seattle Mariners. They they play the Jays really well. They they that was when I said I announced the Jays is dead was in that series, and then they came <laughs> around and got me. But it just the Seattle Mariners, man. It just that was the last team that I would have ever ever, especially this year, thought would be in contention with the Jays for that wild card spot and the Red Sox and Yankees. I guess it's crazy. Yeah, it's super crazy. And I don't know it off the top of my head, uh, but the run differential is not good. No, it's not. And I think what that what that tells you is like, that's one of those teams that, as corny as it sounds, is just kind of like running on, not magic, but like they just have it, right? They have whatever that thing is that lets you find a way to win games, which the Padres do not have. You know, like whatever the Padres are lacking, the Mariners have. And so when you get into like a wild card situation, you know, you're going to take the team that's figured out a way to win, not, you know, the Yankees, Red Sox, whoever. Um I don't know. I still kind of like, you know, if you got the Blue Jays and the Mariners in there, you know, that's, I still think the Blue Jays are, you know, just far better, but like, that's a scary team for that exact reason that you don't really know how they've been winning, but they've been doing it. And I think in some ways, you know, they got a lot of young guys who like don't really know better. who don't really know that you get in that game and they're probably not supposed to be there. So, you know, that's always scary too. And like for people listening to this, like obviously again with the Jays talk, but the Jays and Mariners in comparison for run differential, the difference is the Jays have 194 more runs than the Mariners in the differential call. Like it's the Mariners are at minus 56 and they're in, in contention for the wild card spot. It goes to show you how good 
I guess you could say that like the lineup has been, I mean, or the, or the pitchers, I don't even know how to, my brain's in a, in a pretzel right now. I don't understand how that's even possible, but it's cool to show you, man, minus 56 and they're in contention for a playoff spot. So you got to tip your cap for that, but what's going on with the Red Sox, by the way, I, I saw Chris sales in the IL or for, with uh, COVID and all that kind of stuff. So how long will he be out for? Like, is that, is that like a two week thing with that? Or what's the deal with that now? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, I think it's two weeks if you if you assume he can get back to, like if he doesn't need to build back up which he may because he had only made a start or two since he had come back from the deal before that. But this is, I think they're on like 11 players that have tested positive for COVID over the last two weeks. They just can't clear it. Like, every, you know, and they're not, they're not at 85% vaccinated, you know, and they're, it's hurting them. Um, and so they've got people coming in and out of the lineup that are, really matter. You know, Kike Hernandez was out for 10 days, Xander Bogarts. Like you can't be having that happen right now. And they've kind of hung in there somehow, but th- I mean, if they somehow make the playoffs after this, you know, it's, you know, there's some destiny there because like this is a two week COVID outbreak that has really just sort of sapped them of any ability to plan, any ability to have their normal rotation intact. You know, now you're going to miss sale for basically the middle of September, which is a nightmare for them. So I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's obviously not just that, right. Like they need to be, they've kind of fallen off a little bit in terms of their performance, but man, it's, it's been a crazy stretch for them. It's amazing to me that after two weeks of COVID, they're sort of like still even relevant. Yeah. And I'll just put on the record here. We're a pro vaccination podcast. When I look at the <laughs> Toronto blue Jays and I see no one in that dugout wearing masks because they're above the or over 85%. It just gives me 2015 vibes. It really does. And I see the rest of those teams a lot. There's a lot. I think, how, do you know like the, the number of baseball teams that are over 85? Is it high or is it low? Thank- it's high. I think it's like 23. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. So, I mean, I'm pro, like I said, pro vaccination podcast, probably lose some listeners off that, but that's fine. I respect it, but I, I got to go into the Tampa Bay Rays because the Tampa Bay Rays, every time I look at this team, they're winning 10-1, 11-1, 12-2. And you look at that lineup, very stacked. So, I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays are like, they're disgusting. And then you look at the Houston Astros who are right behind them. Another team that's very, not really getting talked about that much in my opinion, either. That team is kind of playing with a chip on their shoulder. Carlos Correa said it was his last year, no matter what. He's leaving Houston. So, I mean, the, the American League is very intriguing to me just based off of those three frontrunner teams, the Rays, Astros, White Sox. So, out of those three teams, who would you say has, like, the best chance of being a World Series champion or just making it to the World Series? I want to not say the Rays because I never know how they're doing what they're doing. But, like, I think you just have to look at what they've done this season and say – the Rays are probably, you know, the best of those three teams in terms of how they've performed. You know, I think Kevin Goldstein over at Fangraphs did a really interesting story, like looking at their pitching staff, which is not going to include a lot of starters as we think of them for the playoffs, but just includes a lot of relievers that don't, you know, lose their minds very often that are pretty consistent. And that was fascinating because, you know, that will be interesting in a playoff setting. You can look at it two ways, right? Like, other teams are never going to get comfortable against a starter. You're not going to see somebody three times. 
in a game, you're going to see people over and over in a series and, and maybe in a short series or something that hurts you because you can't have guys going back to back to back to back to back. But like whatever they're doing works. That being said, I think the Astros have flown under the radar in a way that is, is really surprising because they can hit. I mean, they can really, really hit. And they are not going to be intimidated by anyone. I think they're going to be happy to be on the big stage with a chance to sort of just shut everybody up whenever they've gotten in that position this year, they've seemed to kind of thrive on it. So, you know, I, I think they are better than people want them to be obviously. And yet the, I mean, there's no, there's very few teams other than maybe the Dodgers that have the amount of playoff experience that roster has still. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. And, and, but I also think the White Sox are fun. I don't know. It's going to be so fascinating. It's going to be electric. Like the, the, these playoffs are going to be electric because there's so many teams. Like obviously you can make the case the Jays are going to win the world series. A lot of people are in the power, like the MLB power rankings, the Jays are top 10 or top seven now. So it's insane. But, and Jordan Luplo on the Rays, he got traded there at the deadline, very close front of the podcast, very close front of mine. He said in that locker room, it's just the standard is like, we win no matter what, like, it's just we, every game we go into, and I know that's cliche, but he says just obviously he was with the Indians before, but with this team, it's just like, it's, we expect to win every game, like 10, one, like it's just, we know we have the analytics there. We know we are, we're data driven, but just this lineup, it's just from top to bottom. It's just a bunch of dogs. And you add Nelson Cruz at the deadline. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, the guy's 50 years old and he's hitting like, he, he just, um, it just mashes. And then a Rose arena. And, and by the way, obviously I'll be biased, but Luplo insertion in that lineup, I believe he's hitting 350 since he came off the DL, his second stint. It's just, they find ways to make guys unreal. And it's crazy to me that not many teams are at least adapting to this data that the Rays have. I don't know what the Rays are doing. Maybe check their piss, but this team is crazy. I don't, it's just like, just seeing what they're doing. I hate it because I'm a Jays fan, but you got to tip your cap. Oh, for sure. And I mean, the other thing about that team is like, they can play defense. And I know people don't, I mean, that matters in the playoffs, you know, I mean, their outfield is so fast, like whoever's out there at any given time, it just, it just feels like they put people in the right places. And, and it's hard to get through an inning against them as a pitcher, I think, uh, without having to kind of fight for it. Right. Like there's always a pest coming up within a batter or two and whoever that is, somebody with speed, somebody who can put the ball in play, somebody who can hit it out of the ballpark, which they've done almost more than anyone. It's just, they've just built a team of names that you don't look at and say, you're not intimidated by it other than maybe Nelson Cruz. And then all of a sudden it's beaten you and they just keep doing it. And whatever the magic sauce is, you know, I think a lot of people would love to get in on it. It's I can't believe it. And that Wander Franco kid, I mean, Lord knows that that kid's actually 20 years old because just based off, I mean, he has braces. Like he's really good at selling it if he actually is 20 years old, but this kid's insane. I mean, he's breaking records like that have been intact since the 1920s and 30s with the on-base streak. It's just this kid is as advertised. And honestly, you can make the case. I mean, he's going to win the rookie of the year. Just if it, I, I don't know if I, I can't think of another name in the American League that's going to win it, but he deserves it. I don't know if he's played enough games, but this kid's disgusting. Like he's a freak. Yeah. He reminds me of watching Juan Soto where when he first came up, where like you heard this guy was good. And then you saw him for the first time. And you're like, this kid could be 28. And it's not that I think he's 28. I think Juan Soto is exactly how old he is, but just the maturity and the strength. And like, it's like he came out of the womb, a big league baseball player. And that's sort of what Wander Franco seems like to me, like just built for this. There's a reason he's been on the radar for years. I mean, the on-base streak he put together was unbelievable. Like he just kind of fits. And I think every once in a while you get one of those 
And, you know, if you're going to, you know, he was touted as this and he's been exactly that. And he's just, it's, it's incredible. And I like the, the Wander Franco, Taylor Walls, Wander Wall oh thing I saw on Twitter. It's so I was unfair. Like, it's so unfair. <laughs> then you have Taylor Walls, who's disgusting as well. And I yeah. mean, and I'll take this, like Lupo legit said to me, he said this Wander Franco kid is up there with like Jose Ramirez, like the best hitter he's ever seen. And then you look at that lineup, you have Nelson Cruz, a Rosarina, Wander Franco. I mean, Austin Meadows, he's, I don't know if he's been struggling that much, but that lineup is insane. So I, like, I'm a betting man. I might have to take a future on them to win the World Series. I don't know what's going to, what's the deal with the pitching rotation. No idea what's going on there. But it's just that team for me is definitely the favorite. And I guess you can make a case for the White Sox as well. But I think it goes through the Rays and the Astros, to be honest. Like those two teams are just so superior compared to everyone else. I think so, too. I mean, the White Sox bullpen is outstanding, obviously, so that they can get a lead. You know, you you would take them. It's just a question of like whether they're ready. I think they are. Like, I think they've got young guys who have now been there a little bit. But I just don't know how you the Rays just keep winning. It's like hard to to say anything other than like until they lose, I think you have to think that they will win. Yeah, I, it's true. And then I, I wanted to go into the national league. I mean, the national league, like I mentioned from, from my opinion, the brewers are the, the favorite brewers giants are the two best teams that I've, I watch in the national league, but I mean, the Braves just based off how many injuries that team has had, Albies is out there for a little bit. Acuna's obviously gone. Soroka's not there. You got friend of the pod, Jesse Chavez, out of the bullpen. I mean, this guy's like 100. He pitched for the Jays when I was like 12. I remember watching him when, like, on the Jays. So this team just finds a way to win. And then you have Austin Riley, who's just putting up monster numbers as well. So, I mean, the Braves are very are a very interesting team. And the Phillies are right on their tail, I guess, three and a half games back. But the Braves are something that's very intriguing to me as well. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk run differential, I was looking the other day at how much better they are than the Phillies. Like, it's just like a different world, and their records don't necessarily reflect it. But, like, they've they've found a way. Like, that is one of those teams that has been just battered by injuries and and other stuff, you know, Marcelo Zuna's crap. So, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's not a lineup that is as good as we thought it would be. But, you know, they've got some resilience there. I think that they – have always sort of thought they're they belong in those conversations whether they have or not and um yeah they're gonna be interesting it's like they're one of those teams that could accidentally catch fire and ruin everything for everyone else um but i think they'd really have to like have it all hit at the right time because i don't think they're quite as deep as some of those other teams we've talked about especially you know the ones out west yeah for sure i i just think obviously the braves will always be there for me when you have guys like freddie freeman noted uh team canada alumni freddie freeman there playing first base i i will always think the braves are good no matter what just based off of some of the names that are on this roster you have albies albies is also he's so good you have austin riley you have dansby swans and you have him arguably one of the best infields in, in baseball in my opinion i mean once it's just the, the Braves will always be a sleeper to me. It's just that bullpen, man. I mean, that bullpen has blown so many games for them this year. It's actually, it's crazy. This record should be so much better, but it's, it, you don't really think about it, how much a bullpen actually means. Like in the off season, I mean, the Jays traded for Trevor Richards and this guy's been one of the best guys out of the bullpen. I think every, he's just such, so good at whole, like he, I don't know what his stats are significantly with the Jays, but He's just been awesome for the Jays. And when he, when the Jays traded for him, I was just like, whatever. The Jays just picked up a guy in the bullpen. But the bullpen is so important in baseball. And I, as a degenerate gambler, I'm starting to realize it now. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it's demoralizing if you have to win games two or three times, which, like, some of these teams have to. So, you know, I don't know if the Braves can kind of keep up in, in that way. 
you know, the Dodgers just seem to kind of run out arms and, and the Giants have been better than you'd think and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, that's probably the make or break for them because they'll hang in there. It's just a question of whether they can finish against these lineups that are running out, you know, these big names over and over. And what's going on with the whole, I, I read the, the Trevor Bauer story. Is he done this year? So I'm assuming he's like, he's suspended for the rest of the year. He's done. He's not suspended. So like, oh. they're just putting him on leave so he can like get paid. Um, but and then they're going to figure out what to do with him next year. So I think like a suspension would come next year. I have no idea if at all. What's his deal though? Is he uh, is he on a yearly thing with the Dodgers so they could pick up an option on him next year? Or what, what's do you know what his deal is? I think he can opt out if he wants, okay. which now he won't. Um, okay. So he'll stay. Yeah, he'll stay next year. I think that's my understanding. But I think that they're in a position where you know, depending on what the discipline is, they can kind of like they can cut ties. They might have to eat a lot of money. They already have. I mean, he's still gotten paid all year. So yeah, I think he's done. And it seems like probably facing a lot of discipline next year, which probably means that like he, that, you know, the Dodgers will kind of find a way to get, get out from under that. But I think for the next two years, he's, he is probably technically a Dodger. That's crazy. I, Cause I, I, I don't know if you saw like the whole team legit unfollowed this dude on Instagram. I don't know if they want anything to do with this guy. So it's going to be weird if he, if he picks up that option, I, I it, it's it definitely ruins like dynamic of the clubhouse just based on the fact that all the legal stuff, all that kind of stuff to the team, it looks like the team just doesn't want anything to do with the guy. So I, I'm not really quite sure how that's going to be, especially next year if he's allowed to play. I don't know if the team's going to actually accept them back into that room, especially a room that's just full of halt, like in my opinion, like the best lineup in baseball. So it's going to be crazy. I'm, next year is going to be weird to see, but. I don't think he'll be back, to be honest. I don't know if he'll be back with the Dodgers. Yeah, you know, if he gets, like, a year-long suspension, um, I forget what the deal is with the third year of his contract. But, you know, like, I think it would be hard to imagine him ever pitching for the Dodgers again. And then you get into the, like, if he's suspended for a year and he's without a deal, does some team take a chance on him? Is that even worth well, it? Well, the Yankees like That's just the, Yan- that's the Yankee <laughs> way. That's the Yankee way. That's what they do. I mean, you have a Roldis Chapman in the bullpen, which is still crazy to me that guy's in the major in the major yeah. leagues. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. The Yankees will find a way to pick him up, and the fans will justify it, just like the fans justify they're going to pick up every top market free agent. I saw on Twitter the other day that the Yankees are just going to get Jose Ramirez now. Like, that's what the, that's what the fan base is saying. They're going to get Jose Ramirez. They're going to keep Gallo. They'll probably boo Jose Ramirez in, like, the first 20 days. But you want to talk about a fan base that just thinks they're going to get every single all-star that's ever yeah. walked this planet. That's them. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating, too, because I grew up – I grew up a Yankees fan. I am not uh, You're a fan unbiased. of anyone now. Unbiased national reporter. But – but I never understood why they were so hated until I started covering other teams. And I was like, oh yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And it's funny now because like the Dodgers are doing the same thing. It feels like everybody who is a free agent or like cut, just go, the Dodgers just scoop them up. And, you know, you can see it now for sure. Like just the depth those teams build, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, like the Yankees rumors and, you know, Corey Seager and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, probably. Like you don't rule any of it out, but like they were, there's a lot of big names on this roster already and it's not working. Yeah. So it's just funny that, you know, the fascination with that, when you look at the Rays and, 
and see none of those names and they're playing better. So it's, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, and honestly, like I'll, I'll be hand up here. I'll obviously a big baseball guy, but just with college football and NFL being back, it's like, I'll be honest with you. Baseball's in the back burner. Like this week, baseball is obviously I'll be watching baseball Monday to Friday. It's like today on Sunday. And then yesterday, I didn't consume any games besides the Jays. Like, I don't even know what happened yesterday and majority of the baseball games, but I know the Mariners lost and the, and the Yankees and the, the uh, Red Sox won. So no idea how they both won, but I'll be, are, so are, do you all, like in the off season, are you just full baseball or do you also cover like NFL and stuff like that? Usually full baseball. I've done like winter Olympics. I don't know if I will this uh, year, which, cause the Olympics are already back uh, in 2022, but yeah, mostly baseball, like trade deadline stuff, winter meetings, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So, yeah, I was just wondering because I, I watched them post as like a, so many different like reporters, all that kind of stuff. But so you don't do – you, do you focus on like the – like how, do you watch the NFL or are you just diehard baseball fan? I've watched it off and on. My thing with the NFL has always been that I was scared to cover it because I didn't want to be there like the day somebody died. Yeah. Cause I always feel like it's like that dangerous. Like I was on the, I got to be on the sideline for like a Cal Stanford game once. And I saw how hard those hits were. And I was like, Oh my God, someone's going to die. So I think for that reason, like, and the Washington football team has just been chaos for years. So like all those things have combined to make me sort of not pay as close attention, but like, I will watch the NFL for sure. And I have like some handle on what happens there. And obviously I understand how like beloved that is around the country and stuff like that. And being a, uh, like being a reporter for the Washington post and like, obviously like your tweets get very, like a lot of interaction. What's like the funniest roast the fan has said to you or like has fans come at you through Twitter, through burner accounts, like David two, four, six, eight, nine, or some shit like that. Like, are you having notifications completely off? I try not to look at them. Uh, one of the best roasts I ever got was when I was covering high school basketball in the DC area, which like, if you know the DC area, like it's real legit. Like these are like NBA prospects, like Kevin Durant came out of it, you know, all that. So it's, it's no joke. And like, I was in a gym and some team lost and I tweeted about that. And there was like, it's 18 year old kids. So you're not like, you know, shitting on them in any way. Uh, but someone was like, get you and your big ass forehead out of the gym or tweeted it. Jesus. And I laughed so hard. Cause I'd never thought about it. Like I had never thought about my forehead and I was like, well, the rest of my life, I'm now going to think about this, but it was like funny. I thought it was hilarious. I sent it to all my friends, but like for an 18 year old kid to come that hard, I was you like, all right. like you are, I, I was just like, you know what? You didn't like insult my family. It was yeah. my appearance. It, I'd never thought about it before. Maybe now I need to sort of take this into account. So yeah. it was, it was pretty, that's one of the best ones I've gotten. And then like Braves fans are brutal. Uh, but I try not to, to read everything because like i don't want to get into twitter battles i can't win them yeah. i'm bad at arguing i'll just be so a burner I, i'm burners for yeah. all the guests i'm burner for all the same all the guests <laughs> that come on the show and i've made that like i the best twitter shirt that i think in my opinion is and is one that you can just never come back from i'm so good at it is if someone chirps a guy that come on that comes on the show sometimes i'll search the name of the guys to see if there's like what the energy is on twitter yeah and if it's an, like a just a disgusting looking human being, I'll just zoom in on their Twitter avatar, screenshot like so close to their face and just blow it up on Twitter. And I'll just like quote the tweet with that. That's my go to. So you just let me know. Well, I'll be your burner. Anyone comes out, you just send the tweet over to me. I'll just do that. And they just never recover from it. Like it's just impossible for them to recover. So I got you with that. Thank you. No. And, you know, as you say that, it reminds me someone once said I. I sound 
fatter than I look or something That's a on the radio. That's a compliment. I, I think, I don't know. And so I thought that was really funny, but then someone in like Nat's Twitter world found their Twitter profile. And it was like a picture of that dude just like stuffing his face with hot dogs. And like, <laughs> I do not support, I do not support any kind of like blowing people up, but it was on a, very, you know, they just yeah. kind of replied to me quietly and they're really like, here's who this guy is. And I was like, okay. Uh, and you know, it's, it's funny, but that was like really good for me. Like, I don't want to blow up anybody's spot, but it was fun to see like a Nats fan be like, Hey, just so you know, this is who we're talking to. If you're going to, if you're going to run into the trenches and you're going to come at me on Twitter or a friend of the podcast on Twitter, just prepare to be roasted back. There's no way you could just have it one sided. That's how I look at it. Yeah. So that, yep. I mean, that's, that's definitely how I look at it, but it's actually insane because you know, obviously being with the Washington Post and obviously like a like a massive newspaper and just a, like they cover everything. I'm surprised you don't have people coming at you like saying like just shit about political views, the Washington Post has and all that kind of stuff. So good for you for not even having that. I probably do. I just, you know, and I did politics for two years and I definitely got oh, that, God. which was like, I, I was called like a Nazi and a snowflake in the same day. It was unbelievable. Um, but that stuff is like different to me because, you know, like I get if people feel like, politics are life and death to them because to some people they are so like i don't condone it but it, the the energy i can respect a little bit but some of the sports ones you're just like wait why are we why are we doing this like i don't even play like yeah. i'm just kind of here but i you know like i really don't look at it as much as i as i could which i think is good but i'm sure they're there like yeah. i'm sure people it's do a come good at problem very to have being popular like i'm sure clay travis <laughs> st- i'm sure clay travis stan 88 was coming at you on twitter for some of the views you had that's just fine i mean you got to tip your cap to that you're in a point where you're a pu- we're going to call you a public figure where you get roasted wow. by people on twitter because you have the blue check mark and you just got to tip your cap for it so i respect it but anyway shells i mean best of luck tonight <laughs> and for people listening to this every single monday we'll be dropping episodes here it's called big j monday so, I mean, credit to me for the name, just a genius. And why I think it's going to be electric is you have someone that is a genius, pretty smart, where than me, who's someone that's just coming at you from a, like a sports fan aspect, not really much stats in my mind. Just for instance, the Dodgers are a fraud. Derek Jeter isn't a Hall of Famer. Like all those kind of things coming at you. So that's what that's why I think it's going to be electric. But anyways, tell Musgrove, Johnny says what's up, because that's one of my good buddies. Tell him I say what's up tonight. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon, Chelsea. I'll see you next week. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you. Thank you.